1: Like a rocket ship, Hogan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was it. That was the best. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestlings best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Ladies and gentlemen, it's
2: time for the Movie Trivia Schmodow!
0: Christian Harloff, how are you doing?
2: Doing good, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, it's 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 a pleasure. So about last night, n- not in a weird way. Uh, oh. <laughs> before we started, you said, "Oh, there's a, there's a wrestling story that I want to share with you that happened last night." I, I, let's just let's roll into it. What's been happening?
2: Absolutely. So I have uh, I have two children. I have a I have a nine year old uh, girl and a and a three and a half year old girl, and so they both love. For me to tell them stories when they go to sleep, the nine-year-old likes to hear stories about whether it's my childhood or funny things that happen, and all these things. And I and I and I tell her stories, and that's great. The three and a half-year-old, got get a little bit more creative. She doesn't. She's she wants to change things up. If you start to say, well, you know what, this story is going to be about a uh, a tomato named Louis. No, it's an avocado. Okay, and his name's not Louis. It's something else. So, so last night I decided to tell a story, and for the first time, I got no corrections. I just got this little girl just tuned into this story on every word I said. And so I started the story with: there once was a giant and the giant was friends with the greatest warrior in the land who happened to be the king of the land, the king of the land. His name was Hulk Hogan. And the giant was friends with him for quite a long time. And then a weasel got involved and that weasel convinced the giant that the giant could indeed be the king. They, they wound up going against each other in front of thousands and thousands of people across the land. And I said, the one thing that has never happened inside of this land was that the giant had never been slammed. And so the man slammed. It was this whole thing. And she's like, she. I told her at one point that the Sheik had beaten Bob Backlund and all this. And she's like, what happened to King Backlund? <laughs> and, and it was just this, I just went into the entire story of WrestleMania three and how Hogan got the title from the Sheik and all that. And uh, it was... Um, it was really funny but she kept asking me to tell stories but i have so many stories of what i could tell from the from the 80s golden era wrestling that i can turn it into this kind of children's fairy tale
0: that's the glory of them being larger than life characters during yeah. that amazing era is that you, you they they were they were almost as you, i mean you you've just proved it there they were sort of preformed uh, nurseries and stories before anything ever happened that's that's so wonderful and i know you're busy but i i mean part of me thinks is there anything in uh, a, a pop-up book that tells these stories.
2: <laughs> I I think I think that there it's got to be. I mean, they had that they had that that animates the cartoon of the rock and roll superstars back in that time. So I'm sure that if if you went back and looked at all that because they were exactly that they were the big cartoon characters. And I've been watching the A and E specials. I've been watching the Dark Side of the Ring specials. And you look at the 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 era of Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior and the Giant Piper. They were they were big cartoon characters and they, they over like they were they were it was very it was very clear cut back then good guy and bad guy and it, very different than today
0: it, it is but i'm thinking now I'm, I'm flogging my memory if other wrestling storylines that will make amazing fairy tales and nursery rhymes i mean if you can turn the montreal screwjob into a fairy tale uh
2: she could <laughs> you just think about there it's you can always the ruler of the land the king of the land who had the people's hearts and and then there was one person who looked like he wanted to take over the land but it seemed as he was on the same page as the king and then it turns out that the evil emperor was going around the side to find out he knew the king was going to leave the land and he wanted to anoint a new king and it's like you could go into that and and you could, yeah, you could change. I think you could change it up and you could animate it for sure. There's tons. I mean, the ultimate warrior, tons of them, the stuff with the honky tonk man, and and uh, or there's, I mean, hell, even when Steamboat came back as uh, as the dragon, you know, when he actually came back as the dragon, you could, you could do things. There's tons of stories that you'd be able to do.
0: I feel like you enjoy especially story time at nighttime.
2: Well, my kids, yeah, because I know that I think that because like I said, I have a nine year old and um, and it's uh, they grow up quick, you know, and so I'm just savoring every little moment. And and it it did it did bring a lot of joy to me that that story of WrestleMania three to a three and a half year old who had no idea what I was talking about, but yet did for the first time didn't interrupt me didn't ask any questions didn't change the story the story was good enough for her that she wanted to hear of how this uh this this figure who was the king and his friend turned on him how he was able to slam this big giant that nobody else could do it was if she was watching wrestlemania 3 through my through my words
0: i'd be fascinated to know like does she does she do a lot of drawing and a lot of coloring your little girl
2: uh, she does. She does She's. She's very creative that way, for sure. I. I would, when I asked her about like, I asked her who was her favorite, and she said, "Ho Hogan." And I said, "Why?" And she's like, "Because, uh, because the Giant was mean. He turned on him." And I, I said, so it, "I just,
0: I'd love to know what she thinks they look like."
2: Right. Right. There, I think
0: there's a project there.
2: <laughs> I should. I should do it. I should tell her to draw them both and see what she does. That's a good. That's a good call for sure. I did show her this morning. I showed her. Because she asked me, because I said he was, he said he wore all, all gold and he had golden hair. She's like, he was made out of gold? I said, like, no, he's not made out of gold. <laughs> and then, and so I'm curious to see what, what how she would draw
0: him. Amazing. Well, look, let's, let's tell some other wrestling stories and other stories today, uh, Christian, because we are going to send you onto a metaphorical desert island. And whilst you are there, sir, uh, we are going to give you a DVD because we're old school with three wrestling matches burned on that you can watch while you're there. Uh, What would you like your first wrestling match to be? We'll get to the others in a bit, but what would you like your first match to be, Christian?
2: It's going to be cliche, man. It's going to be Savage versus Steamboat WrestleMania 3. It's my favorite match of
0: all time. It's all right. Cliches cliches are good. I mean, this is an iconic match. I think it is the most popular match uh, on, on the show. With this one, Take me back to where you were when you saw this, because you were a child of the golden era, weren't yeah. you?
2: Yeah, I was. And so this was WrestleMania three was, as I was just mentioning, it was all about Hogan and Andre. And especially after you see all the behind the scenes stuff. And I was watching the, the Savage a and thing. And it was funny, the ju- position that they did with when they had Hogan it was like, ah, oh, they weren't trying to steal our spotlight. And then they jumped to Steamboat and Steamboat was like, we were totally trying to steal the spotlight. And they did, they stole the spotlight because It was, and you can tell how much work went into that match and the, the, how many times they worked on the spots and how they knew it and how they were able to call it out and the the mathematics that went into that match. And, but watching it as a kid, you just, because in the golden era, still it was, people still were playing under the illusion that it was all legit and it was a sport and that, and it wasn't sports entertainment. It was, it was, these were two guys who were fighting for real and fighting for the, for the Intercontinental Championship. And as a child, you, you, you buy what you're sold. You know and yeah so that's that's i i watched it as a kid i think a couple of days i didn't watch the actual pay-per-view when it happened i watched it a couple of days later my buddy had it and i watched it with him
0: so would you have gone around your friend's house to watch it would he have been around your house or how would that? so
2: work? so wrestlemania it's funny because i went to wrestlemania too as a child my dad took me it was like when it was at the nassau coliseum and there was it was nassau coliseum chicago and los angeles i went to um the nassau coliseum one in new york which is so funny because i went and i saw roddy piper box mr t and then 20 some years later i co-hosted a show with roddy and um i brought that up to him maybe three times and every time i brought it up to him he said you were at that show it's like yeah rod i told you last week (laughs) um but uh but i went there and i had really fallen in love with wrestling around that time when Hogan beat The Sheik and he came in and that's when I started watching but going to WrestleMania 2 WrestleMania 3 like I said I watched at my friend's house but then after that I started getting all the pay-per-views in the WrestleManias I remember clearly watching WrestleMania 4 and 5 and even 6 at my at my house um with friends so those are um you're going to see a lot of the, most of the matches that I that I choose today are going to be from that era
0: Are you would you say that um you had a big circle of friends uh, who were wrestling fans at this point?
2: Um I I don't know how big of a circle of friends at that time. A, a, a few, but my brother and I were really my brother and I and his friends, and my brother's about five years younger than me. And we we would really get into it. And we I remember clearly I was at a I was at a dance, I think it was in like the eighth grade when Hogan um when Hogan lost the championship to Andre the Giant with the fake pin. And um my brother calling me up crying that this has just happened and we had taped it and I hadn't seen yet. And he's like, Hogan lost the belt. Hogan lost the belt. I'm like, wait, what, what happened? What happened? And I was like, you know, it was, it was that time for me, right at that I was, it was wrestling, but it was also me discovering, uh, you know, girls. And, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, this just sounds really fascinating, but I'm, I, I want to finish this part of my life. And then I'm going to come back and watch this <laughs> when I get home. Um, but it was my, it was like really a bonding thing with my brother, that we, we watched a lot. Um, and I remember watching like the WrestleManias with him and some friends would come over, but mostly it was, it was, it was my brother and I. Uh,
0: it was the seventh grade. I remember I I, re- I heard you do an interview. You talked about this where um, you, you kind of figured out that a life working in the media was going to be the way that you go. And I, am I right in thinking it was in the seventh grade that you, you, you talk, you took, essentially you took your first bump so, <laughs> Dur- yeah. during, during a class.
2: Uh, so I went. I went to. I went to. Um, I think you're you're talking about when I went to California for the first time, and when I knew I was going in. So when I went to when I was in seventh grade, my um, my mom took me to San Diego. I'd never really been out of New York, um, not not to this extent. My, and my mom took me to San Diego with my brothers, and we were there for like three weeks. And I felt like I was on another planet. Um, it just felt so different to me, and I just felt it it, it it was more of a kind of a wake- up like oh there's more than just living in Queens and I remember saying to myself at that point I'm going to find a way to get to California and it always stayed in my brain and I didn't wind up leaving until I don't know maybe 10 12 years later after that but but I got there because of that uh, the the you know the, the first plant of the matrix inside of my head that that particular time.
0: Because it really gets under your skin when you find somewhere like that that you love and you know that's the path that you want to take. Yeah. Uh, it just it absolutely gets under your skin. When, can you remember where, because you, you've done so much, like you, you've, you've worked so much like behind the scenes of films yeah. and uh, obviously we'll get to the wrestling stuff in a bit, but there was stand-up comedy in there as well. Um, wrestling was a love, but in terms of like a, a possible outlet for, you know, for, for, for your future, which of those was where you were leaning at that point?
2: Um, well, so wrestling was always a big part. It's funny because when, as we talked about the golden era, I, after I graduated high school, I kind of, I think a lot of people at that point when the WWE was going through the bastion booger stage and all that, like that was, I was, I wasn't in it as much. I remember going to college and like WrestleMania 10 happened and I, and I watched a little bit of it because I was still curious, but I, my, my interest wasn't there the way it was. I always liked Bret Hart, and I was I was happy that he was the guy that was kind of running shit. But I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it the way that I used to, right? Um, and then that that stayed consistent for a bit, and then like a lot of people during that time, once the Attitude Era and the the war with WCW happened, I started getting curious again. When I was in college, so I started looking at it and um, and watching it. And i found myself um getting interested in the in the storytelling aspect and and the the new kind of ballsy nature of it and it it added new thing and that that being at that age at the time added some new flavor to what i was doing as you mentioned with stand-up comedy when i came out to los angeles i was i was um i would come to the stage and i would have them play uh, like a th- wrestling theme, it would either be Stone Cold or The Rock, or I remember one time Billy Gunn's theme I played, you know, and and I would have these different songs that I'd play, and I and I would be in the and I'd have that when I started like the it, 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 this persona of like b- the, the character, the side, because when you look at characters that came back in the 80s in stand-up comedy, whether it was Andrew Dice Clay or whoever it was, and they had like these larger than life kind of bigger personas that clearly wasn't them, I started to do that at first, We ultimately realized that wasn't me but i took that from wrestling and i took the promo side of it and took that and i was and i was watching it religiously that led to me my friends my friend uh, my, my roommate at the time his girlfriend at the time was working in like the accounting side of the wwe and wrestlemania 17 was coming um and i said we gotta we should go we should get there. She's like, Well, I got tickets for you guys if you can make it there. So we drove from LA to Houston to go. And I remember seeing um, and it, it was, I don't remember, it was the night before or whatever, and there was we were staying at the same hotel and at the bar, there was all these wrestlers, and and Paul Heyman was there. So every all the fans that were there were kind of like beelining it for the wrestlers. And Paul Heyman was kind of sitting by himself at the bar, and I and again this is 2001 so it was it was it was different now he'd probably get swarmed a lot more but i I went right to him and I said mr Heyman, I don't mean to bother you and uh but i i had to ask you a question uh I'm sure you get people that come up to you all the time and ask you how do you become a a wrestler but I want to know how you become a writer because again at the time this is when now it's like yeah everybody probably says that now but in 2001 they were just kind of implementing new writers inside of the team I think that happened in 2000 2001 when they started doing that so he looked at me and he said, write a letter. I said, I did that. He looks up and he goes, write another one. It's, it's great advice. So I went back, watched WrestleMania 17, had a great time. It was a phenomenal WrestleMania. Um, and I went back and I, and uh, again, this is 2001. So I printed out all these letters. I just mailed them to each person of the team. I kept mailing them, telling telling them I wanted to do this, this, and this. Got an email back, says, it was basically like that scene in Shawshank Redemption, you know, like when you, you just keep it's like just stop writing us letters and here you go. <laughs> and, Don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> yeah, but well, but but in a but with with it ending saying Stephanie wants to see your samples. So send some samples and then stop writing us letters. Um and I sent the samples and they flew me out to Stanford and I and I and I got there and I met with um it was Stephanie Michael Hayes, Michael Hayes, Bruce Pritchard, um, Brian, Brian, um, uh, excuse me. Um, and, uh, and who else? And Paul Heyman. And Paul told me what got me the job. And I still, it's funny, I still DM with Paul today and he's, um, Paul was a very, very supportive, was, was very kind to me during my time there. Um, and it was a very short time. We'll get into that too, but I was but um he was very kind to me and he told me what got me the gig was when he he said, "Let me ask you a question. If we told you right now that you were you did not get this job and you were not going to get this job, what would you do?" And I said I would say thank you very much. I would go home and then I would write you back in a couple of weeks and ask you how to do it again. And he said that's what got you the gig. Um and so it was funny because at the time, you know, I do all this announcing now and and commentating and I I, I had stand-up comedy experience, but I didn't have um, that type of experience that I have now from the Schmodown and everything. But he said to me, he goes, come here, I got a hunch about you. I got an instinct about you. And he had me call a match. I mean, he brought me into the audio booth. He told him to throw on a match and he had me call a match and I bombed it. He probably thought at the time well, I was wrong about that. But what's funny was he was ultimately right because I do... That's what I really love to do now. I love calling those types of things. Love doing that stuff. I've, I've learned how to do it. I made a, I made a business out of it. Um, so I'm very thankful to him for that. He was very, um, he was, he was, he was, as you know from covering this business, they people are not very welcoming to outsiders.
0: No, there, there's a coldness to it, and and it's I think because we we're so protective of it because we've had it before where we've had outsiders who have ridiculed us for what we do and what we and what we watch and it's an almost an awkward thing it's almost like an unspoken thing so you kind of you're kind of waiting for somebody who's on the periphery to, to come in and take a dig at it so because you're waiting for it you probably spot it a bit quicker which is why there is that sort of hostility sometimes to it um but it was you know it that wasn't the case with yourself who whilst you weren't you weren't uh, on the periphery per se. you were a fan you weren't in the business um right. take take me back to um because i know there'll be a few people who will listen to this who love the idea of working in in, in that realm as a writer and when that you were told to send samples to stephanie mcmahon what goes through your head then like in terms of samples of what like what were you sending samples to them of
2: so basically again from from wanting to be in the in from writing scripts and, and writing, like, you know, when I came out here to write for, for films and writing like sitcoms and things of that nature, it was just, it was, it was right scripts. And I, I was also very lucky because at the time, um, it was right when they purchased the WCW. So I started writing invasion angles and things. And my, my invasion angle was very different from ultimately the invasion angle that they did. Um, but I, I had written this kind of invasion angle of, of people coming in and, and certain promos and things because I, I watched it enough. So I've, I just thought in their voices and I cut the pro and I cut the promos inside of it and had all these things that were happening throughout and they, and they responded to that and they liked, they, they understood that I had an, uh, an understanding of, of, of the business and the character. So I think that's why I got the, uh, the interview.
0: My, may I ask yeah. how Christian Harloff would have booked the invasion angle? Um, At the time I, I would, have, I would have tried to, and I know
2: it, it, it comes with a lot of money, but I, I wouldn't have kept WCW. I would have kept WCW as a separate entity. I would have kept it almost what they did with SmackDown and Raw. I would have kept WCW as WCW and kept WWE, or at the time it was WWF still, as WWF and built up the ranking system and built up the the angles. And then in WrestleMania, then you could have those big championship matches of like if when The Rock, face booker t i would have had it where the rock was the wbf champion at the time and and um and booker was the wcw champion and then have them clash for both the belts and you could have rock show up on wcw television and do all that i would have kept it as a separate entity and tried to do it as a different kind of thing but i didn't have that kind of i, I didn't kind of have that say inside of the money of what's going to be uh of what what you can spend and what it's a lot there's a lot of different there's a lot of money that goes into that and there's a lot of so that i just always thought by right, bringing everybody in that way was a little overwhelming. Yeah. Um and it wasn't it, it that's that's not the way that I particularly wrote the thing, but they did. I mean, obviously they did. They they did very well in, on the way that they did it and they introduced a lot of characters, but I would have done it, you know, that way.
0: I think the one thing that a lot of fa- you know, fans will forever discuss like the invasion angle what could have been what it was and how they did it. And it all just felt like it's it almost felt like there was a fire. We've got to get this done quick. It felt like it was and they and they and it was just the timing of it like you was was unreal because it was the biggest WrestleMania they'd done. The first, like first the, one of the bigger WrestleMania they'd done for, for a good few years, like in a, in the, in the, in Houston. And yep. then, Oh, a week before it, Oh, you've just bought the competition. And right. there was this almost like a panic on to go. We've got to sort of put something together, cobble something together here. And I, it's always interesting to see how other people would have done it. But, um, out of interest you make you say like oh wait a year then wrestlemania you have your big matches. We, look remind me you're looking back at that pace that paper you're about to send to Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. Uh, what are some of those marquee matches that, that you were putting oh, together? Man.
2: At the time I mean I think that the the one that everyone wanted at the time was was Goldberg and and Stone Cold, right? Mm-hmm. I mean I mean even being at WrestleMania 17 people were chanting Goldberg they thought he was going to show up, you know. Um so that that would have been something um, I didn't I didn't love the 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 stone cold uh, heel turn like I, I I understand why why they did it and ultimately got what but I and I and I think it changed up his character um, not that I didn't like what what St- what Steve Austin did obviously but I, I I think that for me I don't know I liked him more I would have liked the fact he when he when he joined with McMahon I just think it went against everything that they set up kind of leading up to that, that he would never do that. You know, that wouldn't be, and then when he finally came back, that's why he got, it got the pop that it did. But um, I think that, you yeah, know, those are the big ones for me. It was, was Goldberg versus Stone Cold. That was the match that I had. I had, I I had wanted to put Jericho and, and the Hardys together kind of causing uh, mischief and, and kind of mayhem on the entire league. Ultimately what kind of Jericho is doing now Inside of the EW. I wanted him to do that with the Hardys. This is the Hardys and the prime, just kind of just causing mayhem and giving them like a full heel turn, and having the three of them be the the three guys and and give them kind of a massive push. That was the thing, and and I pitched something like that. To, it's funny because I work I worked with Schmodown down with Jericho now and. Um, I remember pitching it to him, and he wanted nothing to do with the angle.
0: <laughs> he oh! Like, but he wanted
2: nothing. He wanted nothing to do with it. He was like, he's like, nah, I've done enough. That kind of. Thing. And we 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 goofed about it a few times when I when I've had him on my show, and he's like, yeah, and and he's talked about it on his show, for him, and I agree with him to be honest. Even though I was a writer there too, I I I think the writing process has kind of diluted it a little bit from what I loved about it. I and when I was there, you give The Rock some ideas of what to say, where to go, and you let them go. Same thing with Stone Cold. Here's here's the plot points that we got to hit. Hit those, but go. Um, when you hold the wrestlers who are not actors to, I mean, they're performers, but they're not actors, to a word-by-word script, I think you lose that thing that Dusty Rhodes had and Ric Flair had and these guys that kind of revolutionized the the business had that these wrestlers don't, have as much anymore and i think storylines i think writers are still necessary i don't agree with the idea that writers aren't necessary because i think that coming inside of a room and saying well what if this leads to this and then this leads to this and we could have them do that that's still writing that's still a writing process i just feel full-on monologues and and all that and asking someone to not find what's in them like the heightened version of them I, i think it hurts what what you could actually develop into a really strong character
0: i tell you what I loved and it's, it's not on the network at all now, but did you, did you catch WrestleMania this year, Christian? I'm sure you did.
2: A, a, a lot of it. I did. Um, mm. I have to be honest with you that I have been falling out of it a little bit over the last like two years. It hasn't, it hasn't caught my interest as much. Um, I liked what they do with Becky Lynch. I like that. There's a lot of stuff that I do that I did like about it. My daughter watches uh, a lot of it with me and that's normally when I watch it. Um, but I think that I went after and I should probably reference this also. So after I stopped working there in 2001, I didn't watch for maybe 14 or 15 years. Um,
0: wow.
2: Yeah, um, I I have still found I've still caught up with a lot of stuff. But when I got into the schmodown, um, when I started working on the schmodown, I wanted to go back, revisit it I, when the network was still around. through all the stuff that I love, but then I started watching the new stuff in like 2015, 2016, and got got introduced to AJ Styles and and all these uh new characters that were coming, Becky Lynch, as I mentioned, and and watching it. And I got into it. I started watching it weekly again. And and then over the last couple years, I just um I I I don't know. It just has hasn't caught my interest the way that it that it did. But I'll probably but it's it's like a it's like a a relationship I've had all my life. I'm probably finding another stint that I that I'll be locked in for a few more years.
0: But there was a moment at the, at the so at the beginning of WrestleMania, the first night of WrestleMania, first night back with the fans, yeah. and it just chucks it down with rain to the point where yes. they start yeah. the show and they go, "We've got a rain delay." This is unheard of. So you have about forty-five minutes of the guys in the back riffing. Cutting promos, nothing scripted. And it's so good because you can see the ones that have been like waiting for that moment, like Big E and Kevin Owens, who are just there. And then, um, bless, you've got guys like Braun Strowman, who has been part of that system. And it's not a fault in Braun. He's been part of that system. And then suddenly he's gone, can you just riff a promo on Shane McMahon? And like, you've not been... You know, it's like I've learned. I've learned to ride. A- I've learned to ride a-, a bicycle all my life. Now you're gonna give me a unicycle. Like it's right. it's that. So it's no fault of his, but it's um. But that was a real fascinating thing based on what you said. Like how when you let them go, some magic might happen.
2: True. It's look. It also could be a disaster sometimes. It you know, could and be that's a
0: disaster probably, as well.
2: But, but that's but that's when the cream rises to the top, right? You find that that's. You, but you, I, I've always felt you got to let them try to do it because you're never gonna find out like who the real personalities are because even watching that A and E like Stone Cold thing, they wanted him to just be like the the ringmaster. And that's and that was it. And and he came up with the character and decided, well, what if I did this and this and Vince like, I don't know what the hell to do with the guy. Just let him go and do it. They don't do that anymore. Like if they did that, if they if they never did that with him, you wouldn't have gotten all those millions upon millions of dollars that you made off of the character of Stone Cold Steve Austin because of what he was able to do and what he was able to you you let them find it. And as we just said, you're never you're you're not guaranteeing that all of these performers are gonna find that magic because not all of them have it. Otherwise, everybody would be stars. But you limit certain people who do have it uh if you don't give them that shot I think it takes a I think for me the thing the reason as I mentioned the reason I fell out of love with it a little bit is what I always liked about it was the balance between even though at that at a certain point we knew it was all sports entertainment it wasn't sport but it was you you felt in a certain athletic but you know what I mean like as far as an actual like not predetermined um you always felt like it was balanced like it was 50 percent of the entertainment 50 percent about the championships the rankings now it seems more so more weighted inside of the uh, all about the character and story and eh, if someone's champion today and they're not champion i didn't get it back next week it didn't it doesn't the championships don't have the weight and the championships and the rankings and the things is what i always loved about it i love the idea when when i mean i think hogan maybe had it a little too long in that in that that first run but but savage holding the belt for like a year you know when when they have like these and there are still people these days that have the belt eight and maybe it's also because the way that it's changed over the years you know with how many television uh
0: oh yeah yeah there's there's so much more they have to do don't they
2: yeah it's a lot there's a lot to it so i mean i get it i get the i get the dilemma of it but i just i think that it's weighed more inside of story and 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 i know people love love like a lot of the stuff that like the I, and i don't know where you stand on it but when they did the whole thing at wrestlemania with uh with with wyatt and or the fiend and, and uh and uh, cena like
0: yeah I, I mean it was it was the whole that whole wrestlemania was them sort of thinking on their feet because suddenly yeah. the world caught fire and nothing I mean... they were going to do could be done and i th- i actually enjoyed it i thought it was a bit of a it was a, a psychedelic head wobble that took us away from because the whole thing was the whole thing they, they kept saying all the way through um, the pandemic was we we were providing escapism from the real world yeah. and but then you're looking at an empty gymnasium where the wrestling is and it, it kind of it's hard to escape it when you're like this is this is happening in a gym because no one can go anywhere but then you had those um the, the birth of the cinematic match and you had the great the boneyard match yeah. the night before and then that that firefly funhouse thing was just just that was that was for those however long those 12 13 minutes yeah that was escapism i i had forgotten all about the fact that everything was shut down and i was just like what is this i'm i'm in, i'm invested what did you make of it what was your what was your vibe on it i
2: i think that for me it just shows like as what the wwe has done for so many years is that they've evolved and they've changed and they've and they've also marketed their the product of what it is to the audience. And as you just said, there are a lot of people that feel exactly the same way that you did, that it was escapism. It was this is a TV show we, we and I it lost me on the on the scene of thing like I I think it was creative. I think it was fun, but it just it was too far out of the thing that I that I fell in love with wrestling about like, you know, the the idea of the, that it was a sport that it was this thing it was like, OK, this is completely, you know, they're doing all these Crazy psychedelic things where it's not, it's not, it's clearly not real. It's clearly not this, and and that's fine. And I know a lot of people did dig it. And I thought the match between AJ Styles and Undertaker was a lot of fun, and it was cool to watch. Like these two guys, because they're such pros, and they're like so they're just they're so fun to watch. But it was the same thing to me where I was like, this is fun to watch, um, but like it's not what I, I signed to- up for. I want the titles to mean something. I want to see who the who the who who the who are the top contenders. Who's going to fight? Like, I was I was like the idea that. These guys are going to fight for, uh, or these guys or girls are going to fight for the for the title. that's going to be a, a number one contender match. It's going to lead to this. It's going to do that, and they still do that kind of stuff. But it just feels, I don't know. It's, it's like today. It's anybody could do it. It's like if you show up. If you show up that night, they could get you in a vignette and say, you know what, tonight, because you're here, you're going to get a shot at the title. And so we have that that person hasn't earned that. Yeah. Like, that hasn't been earned and that well why because uh, it's 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 good for dramatic purposes and and this will happen it's like i want to see the the rise i know the pushes are still there and the climb up the company is still there and you got to earn it but um but yeah that's just that's just i'm certainly just this one person's opinion because a lot of people still uh love it very much so
0: one of those guys that really symbolizes what you say about pushing through the rankings, having to earn it. Um, we'll go back to um, to just for your time, which was, which was Kurt Angle in 2000. <laughs> you watch him come, come in from uh, somebody who had an amateur background and just found his feet so quick and yep. just burned his way through the rankings, became the champion in, within his first 12 months. And the reason I mentioned Kurt Angle is one of the first things you worked on is one of Kurt Angle's most iconic moments which was Melcomania.
2: Oh, well, I, that was my first one. When I got there at the event, that was the first, that was my first event that I went to like, that, I, that I worked, that, I, work, that I, I worked that event. I certainly wasn't involved in the angle. That was Brian. But I, I, when I got there, um, that was the first event. They flew me out and I arrived to the arena and i watched the whole thing from from the arena like on the floor watching like the whole milk truck thing happen so yes i was that was that was great to be part of that and kurt is another guy was super super nice when i was there constant professional had the pleasure of interviewing him not too long ago when i was uh with collider he he had he had called in he was promoting a movie and he and he comes in and um and he's he's very open about all the his his struggles and the way but you're absolutely right what a what a pro that guy was because he he in everything that he did he learned how to maneuver it his way he was on his music still to this day one of my favorite tunes that they did
0: it's it was just it was no ego about him it was going let's let's if it's a silly comedy thing i'm gonna be the best at it if it's gonna be serious i'm gonna be the best at it uh no one else like him who was was anybody during your time um uh, before i want to get into sort of unsung heroes but like in that short time you were there. Who was some of your favorite people to, to work with in, in, in a writing capacity?
2: So um, definitely Kurt Angle, for sure, as I mentioned. Um, uh, I went, When I was there, like, Test was, was still with us at the time. I, I, I did mention this, I think, on, a, on another show. When I first got – he wasn't wrestling. He was injured. But when I first got there, and I told the story – and, again, it's, it's funny because Booker T is now a friend of mine. But it wasn't through wrestling. we became friends it was years later because when i first met booker i think it was in chicago we all sat down and we said and we're sitting at this table and i said and i there was a chair that was left open and i go next to booker and i said can i can i take this seat and he goes no "No." puts his head back and i think he's kidding with me right i'm like all right so i go and i sit down he looks at me and he goes i just said no and i went i'm dead (laughs) right and then Arne Anderson's like, no, Booker, Booker, this is the new boy, this is the writer, he's the new, the new guy. And Booker's like, ah, man, I knew, I'm just kidding with you. And I was like, holy, sh-. I took a load in the pants for that one, right? <laughs> and um, and but while I was at the table, a shot goes flying over to me, and it was Benoit. And said it was the only time that I had met him at that time, and um, but that was that the the I remember the people that were when I first got there who were kind of welcoming and opening and open and. Paul and uh, Booker uh Arne and uh, and and Benoit. Um but as far as working with yeah we would test I worked with I I was there I had to write because it was right after Saturn's punishment I had to write him a monologue for Moppy. Brilliant. It was, it was on the milk carton. I wrote a whole monologue where he's talking about the milk carton all that. DDP I worked with and DDP was really nice to work with when when I was there. Um Ivory was 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 awesome she was really she was really sweet Lita was very nice um she was fun to work with but Stacy Keebler I got along with very well when I was there um so those were those were the people that I think had kind of stand out when um when I was there
0: the the Moppy thing um how how much do you know about sort of the origins of of Moppy and the Perry Satin story and how it was put together
2: well, when I was there I didn't know anything about it except They knew I was involved in comedy. They knew that I was a stand up comedian, that I was doing stuff at the comedy store and the improv. And they said, can you do something with Moppy? I said, yes. And I did some stuff and I just had him write you would say silly things. And and he did. And it was it was funny. But why he got put in that angle? I didn't know until probably watching a YouTube video to find out because it was you just beat the snot out of that guy. And then they punished him for it because he you know, he he, because he lost it in the middle of the the ring on that guy. But I, I at the time, I didn't know about that at all. I just thought it was, oh, this is a goofy, funny angle
0: only in wrestling isn't it where yeah. you'll get something like you you, you know there's as a punishment some people in their jobs get suspended some people get paid off. no no uh, you're gonna be in a romance angle involving a mop yeah that, that'll show you it's <laughs> just it's it's the most yeah. bizarre and the most wonderful industry is it not
2: don't piss <laughs> off the boss because i think honestly dude i think the reason why i didn't stick around i think i pissed off vince the first day i was there what did um, you do i've told this story before but i don't know if i've actually told it on the air i think that i have but um Ooh, okay I, I think I, I think but it was it was I, I don't know I feel like maybe I told I was on Sam Roberts show and I think I might have told him but I don't remember. Um, anyway, I so I get there. And I'm eager and I think at the time I'm 22 or 23 years old when I got the gig, gigs so along those lines. And and I was I I, they responded very well to my story angles. I had these great meetings and I was like, OK, then they're they're excited to have me on board and I got to show that I'm that I want. And I don't I didn't know enough about the, the the culture and the click and what what the etiquette was and what 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 you should do, and what you shouldn't do. So I don't know if they still do it this way, but. Vince would have these, before the events, he would have these big, massive meetings with everybody, like all all the performers, all of the uh, the, the staff, like, I mean, anybody in the crew, like everybody is there. And Vince is there at the table with everybody on, on, next to Stephanie and, everyone, and having their conversations about what's going to happen. And he's going through creative process and he asks something about, do you do we have thoughts and ideas? And I shoot my hand up, I'm there for a day or two. And I say, well, what if we do this, 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 and this And Vince looks at me like, who can I curse in this show?
0: Yeah, it goes again. The fuck is this kid?
2: <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll take it into consideration, right? So he didn't say those words. He was like, he was more like, okay, yeah, maybe we'll do this stuff. Sure, pal. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So he's in the middle of the meeting doing it again towards the end of the meeting. He says something else. I go Pfft. and I say something else and he's like, and yeah, we probably won't do it. And I, and I, I'm oh like, and then coach comes up to me, he goes, you just signed your own death warrant and something like that. And I'm like, well, what did I do? He was like, you don't put your hand up once when you knew you did it twice. And I was like, well, that's awesome. <laughs> and I felt like, well, it's the end of this one. And <laughs> it, di- it certainly didn't go great after that. Um, Not, not so, not so that anybody was necessarily mean or anything to do, it was just, as I mentioned in the beginning, it weren't, weren't. It, it, you, you've got to be able to you've got to be able to either you're, you're in or you're out when you first get there and I was out I mean I can call it what it is I was um Bruce Pritchard never took to me it was no it was not mean to me it just didn't take to me um there was uh Michael Hayes and I fine you know Stephanie was very I was she was probably the one that I talked to the most and put everything. She was my she was my boss at the time. And strangely enough, I actually interacted with Stephanie and Vince the most. Like I remember being on when we when we flew on with with Vince, and and I would sit down and tell him. I remember there was a he wanted me to write like some comedic rap song. I can't remember who it was for. And it was right at the time when like Eminem. Was really at his height, and I started writing these these kind of fun lyrics. First, I can't remember what the rest of was. I was doing it. For. Oh, it was for it was for the. Uh, it was I helped write the the thing with the acolytes when the acolytes were doing some stuff, and it was it was around the same thing when the Rock was doing some angles with them. I'm actually in a scene with the Rock, like right right afterwards. when um,
0: my opening and- question for you today, until you you mentioned about like the nursery rhyme thing, my opening yeah. question for you today was going to be: Do you know where the APA are? <laughs> and- <laughs> excuse me
1: seen the
0: APA they're down the hall. they're down the hall yeah. all right should. you knew yeah the rock never seen the <laughs> thank you rock looking for his WWF teammates he's in
2: action tonight <laughs> originally I said it's down the hall and and because we shot that twice and he said it's down the hall or they're down the hall and I and I went, oh, is that, is that? and they 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 shot it again. Uh and then the second time I made sure that I said uh there down the hall. But that was and we can get into that story in in a second. Yeah. But as but as far as um as far as that I remember writing that that thing for the I think again for the acolytes, and because Eminem doesn't always He'll find a way to make it seem like he's rhyming his words, but the words don't necessarily rhyme in nature. But he's able to do certain things where he says his words and he can rhyme it. And I put a couple of those together and I was proud of myself because, like, oh, if you do those in the right way, you can make them sound like they rhyme. And Vince was like, These words don't rhyme. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but they're like, well, and I tried to explain the MM things like change it, make it rhyme. Oh. Like, no, it was it was fine, but it was just like that type of stuff was really fun to do. And it's a story, you know, it's like a story about that And, and like certain things, like he, he was straight up, even though he might've not liked when I put, shot my hand up every time I came in, he was never like, he was all business. What do you got for me? Okay. that works. That does good. Okay. Great. 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 Get the hell out of here. Go write this and go, go do that. Um, And I, yeah, I remember, I remember Bubba, Bubba Ray, when I, I had this whole thing that I had written for him. And again, just not me not knowing the etiquette of it. And I remember walking up to him and saying, Hey, this is what I got for you. And I was thinking this, this, and that. And he looks at me, and goes, who are you? <laughs> and, I <was> like, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'm the new writer. He's like, you should lead with that. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 22 years old, 20, whatever it was. And I was like, just, and, and I was a fan dude, you know, I was a fan, but like, I remember walking like I would handle things so much differently today than I did at, at that age. But like the first person I saw, when I got there, was Stone Cold and like Deborah at the time, and they, they were in like some in the, in the airport, and I uh, and I walked up to him, and I was like, you know, Mr. Austin, Jesus. and and he was the first, like, you know, inviting, like, probably thought I was a fan, and then, which I was, but then I said I'm a writer, He's like, oh, and then I still, I'm like, I'm talking to Stone Cold, and I think he realized oh, this kid, he's a writer, but he's probably like a, a fanboy. All right, dude, see you next time, and he took off, because um, him, I, him, I didn't work with the way that I worked with The Rock. I worked with The Rock um, afterwards, but. I don't know if you want to like to hear that story, like that was a thing. Cause and Sh- Shane and because I remember working with Shane, Shane was was definitely tough love with me when I was there too. Um, certainly not a not a dick, but like tough love. Like basically, I think had I been there long enough, you could tell like he's gonna he's gonna make you earn it. He's gonna make you earn it. But like, he even said at one point, like, and now watching everything that he's done, I was a lunatic for saying this, but he's like, Hey, you know, if you want to go into the ring with me, I'll I'll go into the ring with you. And I was like, I'll do it. He's like, really? I was like, yeah, I'll do it. He would have probably beaten the snot out of me um, to prove, you know, like, hey, you, but I would have done it, especially at 22, 23 years old. I would have I would definitely done it. But but I remember he was you could tell you could tell that he's he's a pretty he's a pretty good dude. Like and you could tell that, he again, there's the tough love. But like he went out of his way to find me, to bring me into that scene with The Rock. And he said and i and i goofed with him and we got a laugh out of this he goes he's like hey you want to do the scene you know dwayne and i was like i was like is it sag eligible <laughs> and he, and he, he <laughs> gotta make the money he, he started he started laughing he's no it is not sag eligible <laughs> i appreciate your hustle in that though yeah yeah but he was but he's like uh but you know he, but we got to we got to we got a laugh out of it but then he put me in the scene with him and i always remember this thing because it, it tied back in he walks up to me and I'm like, supposed to be like, you know, all shy. And and it was all and that, what we were just talking about before there was no script. There was no script. It was he's going to come in. He's going to ask you where 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 the AP is. Let him do his thing and just kind of react to him. And that's it. That was it. That was, there was no like, say this, say that, say this, say that. Rock comes in. And he's like, excuse me. Do you know where the APA is? And, and when we do it, finally, I go, well, they're down the hall. And he's like, he's like, all right. And he stops. And he goes, and I didn't know he's going to do any of this. He goes, you knew here. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, The Rock. And he puts his hand out, and I shake his hand. I go, um, he goes, uh uh. And then he leaves. So I think it was two years later, maybe three, I was at this party. um, And I, it was this, an agency, I don't know if they exist anymore. It was UTA, was the name of it. But there was this big party there, and he was there.
0: And sorry. Oh, that's him now.
2: so um he, he's asking where the AP office is. He, he wants to know he's don't <laughs> don't tell that story uh so so anyway um he he's at this party and I see him there and I'm like oh and my the guy's name was Rick I think that was held the party and, and invited us and and I was like yeah you know I worked with Dwayne for a little bit and I did a scene with him he's like oh really He's like, yeah. he rocks out to him he's like hey this guy used to work with you and I was like <laughs> you know that wasn't my my intention he's like, and he and Dwayne's talking to people he stops he comes over and he goes when do we work together? And I told him the whole thing. I was like, we did this scene, and I just told him the story that I just told you. And and we were talking for a while, dude, like a real long time. And I was, and I remember um, just kind of going over everything. He's just such a sweetheart of a guy. And then at the end of the night, we both stayed and closed the whole place down. And I see him at the end of the night, and he goes, "Hey, dude, it was great talking to you." And I said, "It was good talking to you too." He said, "What was your name again?" And I go, "It's it's great." He goes, "Uh uh-uh. uh." I was like, "You son of a bitch!" He's
0: <laughs> <laughs> really good. Oh, that's not, I like that. I like that. It must it must feel special to know just having that one little moment is something yeah. that stayed that stayed with him. I like that. When yeah. you you talked quite a bit, you you talked a bit there about how um like you didn't feel like you 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 felt like early on that you were already out. Yeah. Um. Look, looking back, can you can you see any indication like any any reason why that might have been or something you might have done differently or
2: um, yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, I think a lot of things, like like I mentioned to you first, I would have, I was, I was very eager. Um, I didn't have the experience that I have now. Uh, Learn, you know, it's all the different things of, of understanding. Like I told you, like I took, I think I, I, I think I had more of a 60% fan, 40% professional going in there. I would have taken it to now to like a 90% professional and 10% fan and leave the fandom, you know, like you can still, you have to be a fan of it, but you have to do, you got, you got to put it, you got to put it in front of you and you got to, you got to go, you got, I would be, I mean, knowing for all the different, you know, I've been in different rooms since then and talked to different people, different statures. And uh, I would, I would present myself differently. I present my angles. I would, I would wait. I would do certain things. I would uh conversations that I had and, and just certain things, you know, it's like, it's just learning. I was young. I was too young. I was too young to have that job at the time that I had it.
0: Yeah. Who were some of the um during, during your brief time there? Who were some of the unsung heroes uh, uh, within the WWF? People that really don't get the love they deserve.
2: Oh man, um, let's see. Well, I was there. I mean, it's I've dealt a lot with the talent, so I mean, as far as people that were really put the referees, the referees, mm-hmm. I mean, they they really. They really uh, they they I don't think they get the the, the, the way they have to tell the story as much as anybody else you know and I I think that a lot of the times they watch them and the rest really they they have a, a, um, a camaraderie and and they have um uh I, the the wrestlers really appreciate obviously what they do and I don't think a lot of people see that so I, I would I would say I would say them for sure um I think it's the the, the crew and what the crew is able to do and I I, I think that also from seeing. What I've done with live events, you know, from from my from my business and what I've been doing lately is that the crew always gets are are always the unsung heroes, the crew, the people who who build the stage or build the or build the the ring every night, the people who are transferring all the the equipment, the people who are doing like that's those are the people that that know the show and the technical directors and all that and that can put together the vision of what Vince wants. Like those are the unsung heroes because those are the ones that people don't talk about from the people the editors and putting together those promo packages. I remember when I first got there and I did my interview, they had that um it was that Limp Biscuit song My Way. That was
0: Oh, the- yes, the classic.
2: And it was just just come out. It had just come out and and Paul when he introduced me to um to the editors, you know, they they were they were there and they did cut that promo and the first thing I said is that that was a phenomenal piece of work what you guys did.
0: So you got to look over the shoulder as they, they put that together or you, well, you met. It was, them.
2: Yeah. I met them right. Because it, it, it was after WrestleMania 17 when I went in there, but it, but, but it was, but, but they were the guys that did it. And I said, that's one of my favorite promos like all time. And you guys just annihilated it. and they were, they were appreciative of that.
0: Um, how did your time there come to an end?
2: So the way that I don't know if it works the same way, but the way that it works for like the freelance writers is that they pay you like per day or whatever it is too. And, and then after a certain amount of time, they got to put you on staff. And I don't know if it's the same way now. So the way that it was back then. And I think that they kind of knew at one point that they were, they were going to, I was going to go for as long as I did. And I don't know if it was like five or six weeks, whatever. I can't remember how long it was, um, but, it, but along those lines, and then um, that was it. And so it was just, I think that I got to that point, and I remember Stephanie calling me and saying, "Yeah, it's just not not working out the way we kind of hoped it would." And I was, I was bummed, and I think that I was, I was really bummed. Not so much because I said to my, because like I told you, I didn't feel like I fit into all of it. You know, I felt like it. it she was making the right call, but I felt like I. It was. It kind of goes back into the question that you just asked me. I knew that. I could have and done things differently because I, I know I, especially at that time, not, not so much now, I'm not going to pretend I know like the the business, the way that I knew it back then, but I knew, I knew the inner workings of the characters and that stuff. And I, and I didn't show what I, what I could do. And I, that's what I felt felt like, you know, anytime you you feel like you failed at something, you're like, ah, I was bummed about it because I feel like, damn it. I had, I had that. I had that. And I didn't, I didn't show what what they saw in that premise of those uh, those storylines that i submitted that they felt had the promise i didn't i didn't deliver on it so it was i've always been under the mindset you can't blame other people and say well it was, it was their fault cuz they didn't see this and they didn't see that i i didn't do things right and that's like any i i try to take that philosophy in everything i do if you do something wrong you got to take ownership for it if you do if you didn't get your break it's not someone else's fault like oh how come that person did it and i didn't well you didn't do something right it's like you might you just maybe it was, maybe it was luck or maybe it was whatever you just didn't do it right and you know you got to keep going until you do it right
1: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
0: I want to get into schmo down and all that stuff in just a moment but, um we've only got one of the matches so far we need to get your second match yeah 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 oh, what's going on uh christian so we've had uh ricky steamboat macho man from wrestlemania 3 what would you like your second match to be
2: well let's go back into that time let's go stone cold steve austin in the rock wrestlemania 17
0: oh ab- absolutely so uh we've already talked about the, the yeah. music video and, and, yep. and how great that was this was so was this this was the show that you went to this was your friend yes. who worked at the wwf yep. who said come on down yeah so how was the live experience of wrestlemania nuts. At houston
2: nuts it was like i said i've been to two WrestleManias. i went to wrestlemania 2 and a wrestlemania 17 and 17 was just like you know comparing two to 17 two was like in this little nassau nassau coliseum and um this one at houston was just massive and it was loud and it was crazy and 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 I definitely I definitely had a uh, more than a handful of beers, you know, when I was there and um and enjoying it, enjoying my time and enjoying it and like it just it was kind of like a big blur, you know. But it was I remember the energy being crazy and I remember I do remember leaving and going, oh, that was a fun WrestleMania. I didn't realize it was going to have because that's it's it's touted as one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time, um and. I didn't realize that while I was there, I just realized I had a really good time and the energy was crazy in the place. And, and, um, and I didn't realize how special it was to me because it ultimately led to be able to do what, what, what we were just talking about for the last half an hour.
0: Are there any memories that from that day that, that still make you smile away from the in-ring action, but more about like the day and the experience that you had? I know you say it's a blurb, is there anything it is, that jumps it is, out?
2: It is a blurb, but it was also, but I think that it was, it was the, it was just walking around how massive it was and being around the wrestling community at that time during the attitude era, like there was, there's was nothing like it like that. Even, even though in the golden era, there was, it was like, it was, it was like if you're at a, a, a baseball game or a football game or whatever, and your favorite team normally when you're there, you know, the majority if you're at the home stadium, majority of that, uh, that audience is going to be there for the home team right but like there'll be a percentage of people that are there for the for the opposing team this is where everybody is just there for the same team and that team was WWE you know and it's like and you feel it and you feel it's like it's it's like why people love Wrestlemania in general it is like a celebration of it and every year and like and and as I just told you even though I don't um keep up with it as much as I did back then i did watch like when you're talking about the rain thing in the beginning we did tune into a lot of these matches and because it's it's still an event and i go out of my way to watch like things that are going wrestlemania because it's an event this was an event this was 17 was something crazy
0: when you've watched it back um and you watch that rock austin match yeah. is there a particular moment in that that game gives you the feels gives you the goosebumps that uh, that really that that really makes you happy to say?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just watched it recently again, because even when I switched over to Peacock, it was one of the first things I watched when I when I went over to look at it. It's it's the stare downs between the two of them and the way they knew each other so well. And and I think that it, it's funny, even though I mentioned the, um, the I didn't necessarily love the heel turn from Stone Cold. That moment when Vince comes down, and you're like, well, what the hell is he doing here now? Is Rock going to go heel again? and and then when he when he shows up and they have that whole moment when he finally gets involved and rock kicks out again and then finally it's just that there's, there's only so much he can he can take before he's got to just take the three count and i thought that was a good way to keep the character strong with the rock but it was um but it was still like yeah i know you, you're not going to be it doesn't matter if you're the rock it doesn't matter who you are if stone cold and vince are teaming up together you just, unless you have somebody come out and save you there's only so many times you can kick out
0: yeah yeah with with that finish um, the the very brave finish of of Steve Austin turning heel in Texas. Yes. When that went down, what was the what was sort of the atmosphere like around you? Were, were people, people just believe it. they were they buzzing? Was there confusion? Was it
2: yeah? It was confusion at first, and and people people couldn't believe it, and they were just like, wait, they're really go, they're going this way? Wow, we wow, we didn't. It was it was one of those things where like you know when you see a good movie, and it's like, all right, we predicted a lot of things would happen, we didn't predict that would happen. And when that when he came out, like I think when once Vince came out, some people some people were like, "Oh, he's gonna help Austin." And other people like, "Nah, nah." And, and then when it happened, it was, yeah, because anytime like a big moment happens and somebody comes out, then you start to say, "There's only so many different options of things that happen. Who's he gonna help? What's he gonna do? Is the Rock gonna go heal or something? somebody's gonna something's gonna happen?" Unless unless they, uh, some people did think that Goldberg was gonna come out and save the Rock. People did think that. Yeah, people thought Goldberg was going to come out and save The Rock, and that's how it was going to end. But um, because people were screaming for Goldberg, as I said at the end, and then it didn't happen. Um, but yeah.
0: I don't mean it in like a... in a This, this potentially might be a pessimistic question. I certainly don't believe it. I'm, I'm very much an optimist when it comes to this sort of thing. But do you ever think we will see a main event with that emotional energy like a Rock Austin again? Yes,
2: I do. Um, I think that that's... That's the because the same person could have asked you, could have asked that question in, in 90, in, in like 92, 93, right? Like, oh man, you remember the, the energy, which uh, I'll just give away the, the third one if you want, my third match, uh, which, which is, do you want me to tell you or no?
0: Oh, say, save it, save it, save it! Save we'll it, do it after- so,
2: there's, all right, so, the, so the third, so a third match that I'm going to mention, and after that particular match happens, so will we ever get see that type of energy again? And then things happen, you know, and then like new stars are born. You you give. Shawn Michaels time to breathe and develop as a, as a character, you know, because at the time he was, he was rockers and it's like, ah, that guy, you know, he's just the guy that this, and then you give him the opportunity to shine and you, you, you find him a a foil like, like Bret Hart and you, and you start to build out your federation, you know, that there, there will be new people. There's, there's some 10 year old kid right now man, woman who's the next big superstar, of tomorrow and whether that's going to be a crossover star because that's really what you're asking right it's like the because the rock and stone cold were crossover stars that's why yeah. the was there because it was besides the, anytime you get those big emotional matches it's when it goes past just the core fan and it goes to the mainstream um john cena was able to do it you know the the rock was able to do it stone cold uh hogan you know like the, there there are these wrestlers that were able to do it that not everybody can do when the, and it will happen again. But I also think that it's always evolving. Things are evolving. The WWE will evolve. They'll take different changes. They'll take different moves and they'll do different things. And I think that the competition that, that they have, whether it be AEW or whoever, I think that the, that's helpful to them. I think it's helpful in general because it it is what it's why they were able to change the WCW never came about. I don't know where the WWF is today
0: that's true that's true i mean it's 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 one of those as you say it's a question that people ask all the time but you have to believe that these things come around all the time and there'll be people that somebody will sit here 20 years time have a similar chat talking about other matches but when you you say that you you just you lapsed when you left was it like an immediate thing when you switched off
2: yeah it was i think that it was a bit of again kind of hurt kid saying um a yeah i don't need i don't need this anymore that was, that was the first
0: the second feel like wrestling anyway it's fine well
2: but you know you know what it was it was it was a little of that but it was also maybe i shouldn't have watched how the hot dogs were made being a fan of hot dogs you know what i mean like i'm um, know, knowing inside of everything that i as a fan that i saw that i loved i saw everything about it and certain people you know maybe weren't the way that i particularly thought they were maybe others were and and it, and it was like eh, and i was also i went back to because i decided when i went to work for wwe that i was going to put stand-up comedy on a hold and i said okay i'm not going to do that then and then when i went back I said, well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to do both so i'm gonna put that to the side and, I, and then i started going into stand-up i became a regular at the comedy store and at the at the. Uh, at the improv and and doing all, all those uh and and that's and that's ultimately the journey that i went on after that
0: how did you feel getting back into it after after being away so long was it do you find that were you kind of calloused a little bit to comedy like would you just jump straight back to where you were or was there no. some growing pains
2: no it was it, it i went i went back into it. actually helped tremendously um because it gave me a little bit of time to think and i and i and also because i Stopped doing that over-the-top kind of high-energy thing. A, a, a buddy of mine, comedian by the name of Paul D'Angelo, had seen me at this place called Dublin's, and we, we were friends, and he's like, look, you're starting at, I know you like the wrestling, and I know he's like, you're starting at 150 miles an hour when you start. You're giving the audience nowhere to go. You have to start at, like, 10 miles an hour, and by the end of your show, then hit 150 miles an hour. Like, get them there. And I took that note to heart and I started that's how I ultimately developed and started doing stuff and getting back to um, and then getting back into it. When I got back to the clubs after the WB, I started going to all these like you know, I was going to bars and I was going to clubs and I was going and I was trying new things and changing things up. I do remember doing this. I never I never took his advice and I should have because he was right. I was doing a show with Ari Shafir and Ari said because we were we were in the back and we were talking in the show and we were talking about um, about my time at wrestling. And I told him all these stories of everything that was going on, and he goes, "Yeah, you shouldn't never talk about it on stage because everybody talks about working at the WWE." And I go, "Really?" He's like, "No, you should be talking about this." <laughs> and and I never talked about it. I never did it on stage. I never I never talked about writing at the WWE. I never I never never had any bits about it. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, but it but it did it, it went it it actually brought my love for stand up out more, and that's why from. Instead of, you know, because like, there was always that thing, I think, inside of my head saying, all right, well, you got to try to do something in wrestling at least once. And then I did it. And it, albeit short, but I still did it. And I said, okay, then, then let's get back into, let's get back into the other thing now and let's just go full force. And, I, and that's ultimately what I did.
0: So it didn't, it didn't, once you did it the once, it was, that was a case of I've scratched the itch now I can carry on.
2: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have an urge to try to go back. It was after, after like perfect example for that, like that, the question that paul had asked me if we didn't if i didn't get the job what what would i do you know ultimately probably paul was probably waiting for me to, to to say hey how do i get back in i just never sent that message i never went back in and i you know until two years ago reconnected with paul and thanked him for his kindness and everything too. And he, and he wrote me a very sweet message and said, look, I've, I've been catching up on seeing what you've been doing. I'm very proud of you and what you've been doing. So uh, I thought that was, that was really nice. He was like, he was, he was always very nice to me. Cause um, Paul's
0: had a really weird time with WWE. Yes. Anyway, his yeah. relationship has been all over the place. And he is somebody that, uh, his, somebody who's, whose ideas are so far removed from what they want. But they keep coming back to him, and he is still a visionary. Like even to this day, is somebody that they like. They've they've got this guy on the on the books who I know he's doing. Uh, from what I understand, he's doing a lot of stuff with Roman Reigns and helping to develop that. But like this is the guy that's that, that he, can do that he, times ten. You know what? He's like Gandalf yes he's like gandalf Gandalf. he's like gandalf when
2: the the entire world is just you know you know going he he knows why the world is going in different places and he knows the fixes in order to make it and he's not always going to have the answers you want to hear and he's not always going to say the things you want to say and he's going to kind of go off course a little bit but he's always going to get you on the path that you need but that's he's gandalf
0: if you're opening to hearing the answers then he's got the answers for yeah, you yeah
2: 100 and he's and he doesn't then hold back He's like, no he really is he's a he's a genius i learned i learned more from him than anyone i just wish that he was so busy that i spent a lot of time with him in the beginning and then by i, I wish that goes back to your earlier question if there's other things i would have done i would have stuck with him more i would have i would have i would have tried to get under his wing even more than he already kind of offered
0: um what's it so just to go back to comedy um What's the, what's the sort of temperature amongst people you know on the on the stand up scene now? Because obviously the world's been uh, on fire for the last twelve months, yeah. and there's a, there's a, a slow move back to normality. Is there the optimism that the scene's going to bounce back to where it was?
2: Yeah, I I think so. I think that we're we're looking at uh, once once we're able to, we're getting to a place now. We're certainly not there yet, but once we get back it's going to be like the roaring 20s the comedy store is already open and selling out shows left and right I haven't been back yet um I I've I've been out of comedy for a little bit but um but I I've been in October of last year I started uh writing a lot more and and Mark Ellis who I started the schmoes and the schmo down with um he and I are talking about doing shows next year or this year talking about doing some shows together and we're looking on doing a, a, an, a, an event together in October. So there's a uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot that we're working on at the moment. And, and stand up, I think, is yeah, it's gonna bounce back a uh, hundred times full.
0: So let's talk about um, your relationship with Mark Ellis, uh, yeah. the, the the guys that you brought to get brought us the schmo down. You can see uh, that that love for wrestling when you watch it for even thirty seconds. Andrew Guy throwing down the hammer has challenged Ben Bateman
2: to a May showdown in Houston. Now can you dig that, sucker? He's wrestling arena. Guy versus Bateman. <laughs> Guy versus Bateman in a stipulation match. Guy said if Bateman happens to beat him, he can choose his next singles opponent. If Bateman loses, Bateman will not be able to compete in this year's Ultimate Showdown Singles tournament. Oh, shit!
0: Oh, man, Benny! Boy! The bad luck doesn't stop there, brother.
1: No, it does not. I told you. And we made a decision. No teammates, no managers at ringside. Everyone will be banned. One-on-one competition.
2: You are so, so right. I don't know why I didn't think of this. It's genius. You are a beautiful genius.
0: The boss is back! We're going to see the greatest ascension in the history of the Schmodown, and it starts in Houston.
1: You hear me, Andrew? I'm coming for you! 2019
0: is the year of God. No more Bateman, nothing else. This is my league. We've always been overrated. Who was always there? Who was there? I was there. But I'm not there anymore. You're done. Your season is done. Your career is done. He's going to put himself in the best position to shine. But the rub is he's going to lose when he puts himself in that position to shine, which means in the end I'm going to come out on top. I was born to compete. I was born to perform. You guys have kind of turned movie trivia into a sporting event.
2: Yeah yeah well that's i wanted to do both right like i think like what i just mentioned before i wanted to be able to give a new sport because i always said i always had so much respect for what esports did and the fact that there's still people who say video games isn't a isn't a sport well tell the, the millions of people that that are going to the events watching events darts is a sport you know spelling bee is a sport it's, there's mental sports and um, people always just take that take sport by being just this physical thing it's it's there are mental sports and i figured instead of going away from that bar trivia mentality of let's let's really take this thing make it competitive do the rankings do the champions do all this stuff but why can't we do a hybrid why can't we do this thing because we have the benefit of doing what wrestling can right because wrestling can't make the matches real because otherwise you get brawl for all and people will wind up dead you know what i mean <laughs> it's like you, you can't you can't do that with my thing i can do that i can make characters i can do storylines and i can and i can make the the trivia you cannot mess with i have i have had people say well you should script the trivia never You can't because that's the fascinating part about it. Now, it is tough for me sometimes if I know that I have competitor one and competitor two, and I know that if competitor one wins, they're going to be able to play in another match in the live event and we will probably make some money off those tickets. But competitor two is the better competitor that day and wins. Then I've got to come up with a whole new storyline. You got to always be thinking in that way, the same way like Dana White has to think for like UFC, because anybody can get caught on the jaw at any time. So that's why I always combine like the mentality of like what UFC has to do with WWE, but inside of movie trivia. And that's what that's ultimately what we did. We added a lot of their heels, their baby faces, their a lot of turns, their are, there are factions, there's there's all of that.
0: But so, so take us back to, to when you and Mark mapped this idea out because yeah. this this must be, i i can't help but feel this was uh an idea over a bar one night where one close. of you went got this <laughs> idea
2: close very close oh wow
0: okay very, <laughs> some of the best cl- ideas are drink infused they tend to be
2: very very close uh we so we had a show the Schmozno movie show that mark and i started our youtube channel schmoes know, and we then were on the adam carolla podcast for a while and and from there we uh we started our own show and wanted to do like the Howard Stern show for like movies, but where we had like this kind of kooky characters and and just had some fun talking movies and just chat the shit for like two hours. Um and we did that, but then we wanted so two of, one of the bits was that at the time one of our interns was battling with our engineer and they were having like let's just settle it with movie trivia. And they settled it with movie trivia and it was a lot of fun and the audience loved it. So we, VidCon is, um, for people who don't know, is just like this con where like all YouTube stars and people go and, and it's just content creators in general just go. And we drove to Anaheim and we stopped at this pizza place that we're still trying to figure out exactly to this day where the hell it is. We don't remember. But we stopped off at this pizza place and we sat down and we took this piece of paper or napkin even might have been. And we're like, what if we do like March Madness basketball style where we'll take 16 people, we'll do like a, we'll do like you know 15 matches each week last half an hour of the show like live and we'll call it like like the ultimate schmodown or something and and we'll we matched the brackets and we did all that and really like, let's try it and and the, the rules were so i mean you watch it today from from back then it, it, this was just people this this seemed like something you'd play in the living room with your friends but it was fun and you'd have these entrances and people would come out and and it was good and and people really dug it and at the time we were doing the show from maria menounos's um studio and as you know she's she's really um uh locked into wrestling and she had this big wc i'm look um, i have it here actually no you know what i have it right here this wcw belt
0: Ooh. i have it right here and this is from there yeah this, this, is, from the actual, this is the actual belt that oh we wow that's a nice it's the be- it's one of the better belts the sure. big gold belt
2: ever and so she got this for us. And I said, Oh, you know what? That'll be the that'll be the championship belt that we that we do. And we did that. We had the championship belt and it was great. And the fans loved it. And they said, When are you gonna do it again? So I remember calling Mark in 2015, a year later, and I said, dude, what if we do it this year, but we do it teams? And instead of doing like, you know, just people inside of our circle, we reach out to like Rotten Tomatoes and like IGN and Nerdist, and we do like we'll have like battles that way. And we didn't have the wrestling kind of themes happening yet. At this point, it was just the big entrances, have some people talk some smack. I think I did like a rock impression, like when it when for like one of our entrances and, and then um, I started working at Collider. And at the time, Mark and I had a deal, at Sh- it was Schmoe's No first, before I became an employee over there, but it was Schmoe's No. And we had like this deal. And I said, what if we did this show weekly But did like press conferences and got people and started a ranking system and went for championships. And we, and so complex who owned it at the time was like, yeah, you guys can do it, but you got to pay for it out of the money that we pay you, you know, monthly. And I said, fine, but I get to keep the IP. And they said, yeah. So I was like, good, great deal. I'm in. Um, so we did it. It was it was successful. We led with John Campy versus Dan Merle, which was a good move. Um, I it is funny at the time I wanted to lead with somebody else. And Mark was like, now nah, we gotta lead with these two guys. Um, and I was like, You're right, you're absolutely right. And we did, and it was, and it was a big, it was, it was a big hit. Um, and then because of that, we started the team's division, and that's when I started to saying, let's play with the characters a little bit, let's do this. And I remember my first like heel turn. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. We had this whole like press conference thing that we did. And Clark Wolf who was one of the legends of the game. She's um, she's incredibly knowledgeable, really one of the two time teams champion. And just a really um, a wealth of knowledge and how and how um, how good she is and how how much she helped the game in general. But she was looking she was a, she was a rookie won like three in a row. And it was like, oh, how do we find her partner? And I found out that one of our guys actually reached out to her while he still had a partner. That was the real story. And I'm like, we gotta play on this. We gotta play on this. And I remember talking to Vince back in the day and he's just like, always take reality and play off reality, right? And and I said, well, what if we do this big thing? We'll call him out on the thing. And we did this thing where she ultimately doesn't take him, the guy who offered, she goes with that guy's rival. And then that guy's partner finds out about it, gets another partner. And this guy's left all by himself and then we bring out this mystery partner who joins him. So three teams were formed that night. It was one of our big things, and that team, that last team, wound up being like the greatest team that we ever had. So it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was. And that started, that started the characters and the story angles and the pops because I remember getting the pops in the audience, like boom, boom. If you watch that, you can see. You'll you'll know like immediately when you see like oh that's hitting this speed oh now here comes the big setup oh there's the music that was the evolution and the beginning of okay let's with this this works uh,
0: with what with what it is as there is such a, a wrestling energy to it and you as you say you invite in um, other channels and other places to come and do it is there anybody that came in and to your surprise just embraced it so beautifully and even surprised you Kevin Smith.
2: Kevin Smith, of course. Kevin Smith. Um, Kevin Smith has always told me that he wanted to be that he wanted to do it, and always thought he would be good at it. And Mark Bernardin, who is his his podcasting partner and just a, a lovely human being in general, um, did compete. But he, he he was funny because he our our system has kind of changed too. Whereas we were evolving, like there were some questions like that were just like really really hard. Like what were the names of the bad guys in like Cool World? It's like who's seen Cool World more than once, right? <laughs> Yeah. And 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 Mark was like, if that's the kind of questions I'm not going to be able to study and do this, dude. He almost scared Kevin out of it. Right. <laughs> um, but when Kevin came in, he really he played into it. And, he, and when he really played into it was we have this crazy character called the Flirt and Floss, and he's like this goofy kind of German character. Um, and he went up against Kevin. And the whole storyline was that Kevin was mad because because um, the Flirt and Floss didn't let him into his concert with his daughter back in the day. And Kevin just went with it. And he's like, I didn't he's like, I didn't want to go. My <laughs> daughter was into that shit back then. And like, you know, it's was like, the guy was just a dick and it was great. It was just great. He played into it. So Kevin, for sure. Um, I mean, a lot of people that have come into it. I mean, Sam Levine is a guy who came in. I met him on Doug Benson's podcast. And Sam's now a former teams champion, former singles champion, he's a manager now. And he's like one of my good friends. And it's just like a lot of people, once they catch the bug, like they're they're locked into it.
0: It's when you get people like Chris Jericho coming on to, yeah. do, to for an interview. And he's going, "Well, where's my invite? Like, I want a piece he, of this."
2: He was pissed. He was <laughs> pissed. He, was pissed that he didn't get an invite at first, but he was really pissed because Kevin Smith. Because there's a category before Kevin Smith came in, there was a Kevin Smith category that you can put on the wheel, and Kevin chose to put it on his wheel against Jericho, and Jericho hit it. But Jericho, Jericho annihilated it. And did great, but Jericho was like that. We're we're wrestlers. Where's the, we're, we're the Chris Jericho movies? They're not in there. And and but he was but he wants Kevin again. He's 0-2 right now. Mm. Uh, but but I I'm, I and he I've talked to him and he wants to do he wants to do a live event, which I'm waiting. I don't want to play him. I don't want to. I don't want to have Jericho play digital anymore. I want to. I want to get to a place. Whether we go to Florida or if he's in LA, I want to have him come out and compete in a live event, a live setting, because that I mean that would be very special to me. Um, and I, and he already told me that he would, he would do it. So, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, to watching Jericho compete again, too.
0: What have been some of the challenges that you faced of, of taking Schmo down, like you say, digital with everything being shut down, like oh, is, what, what's, what's some of the, the monsters you've had to slay in this process?
2: Well, it's not the show. You know what I mean? It's not the, it's, it's just not the show. It's, it's what I will say is that the competition has been phenomenal. The players have, we've got some of the best trivia matches, I mean, ever, uh, some of the, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have the bells and whistles. It doesn't have this, the, the storyline aspect of it. We, we put, still put storylines in there, but they're just not the same as being in studio or being in live events. And we not, we're not at live events. Like we, you know, when we've, we've competed in front of a thousand people in, in Chicago and like the, the pop that you get when someone gets something right or someone gets something, gets something wrong. We did a whole event at Booker T's reality of wrestling. Booker got involved in the storyline and it was one of my favorite things ever. And you can't have those moments on digital, you know, like I'm, I'm very frustrated with digital so much so that my, my team's sick of hearing me talk about how frustrated I am with digital, but like, it's not the show. And we're trying very close. We're very, very close to getting back to her. We have a couple of cool announcements that are coming up soon, but I, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, it's a process like everybody else in the world uh,
0: with Chris Jericho, um, hopefully being part of the the show's live have yeah. any other wrestlers reached out to be on uh, on the show
2: um i mean like i said booker is is involved when the show he we have we are our, our nxt is called the fcl and it airs on twitch um and it's like all the people who are trying to get into the movie trivia showdown they compete on on the twitch show and booker does the opening announcement uh of it like the future stars of tomorrow with the signature booker Uh, voice and and getting into he's he's so um i've heard there are some people that were looking into um wanting to be a part of it but i also think that it's once we get back into studio that's when i'm going to make my heavier pushes to try to get people involved because i i just feel like when i present this like even to kevin and and chris like i'm lucky that i got them involved in this stage right but like that's how they know the down like Kevin knows the Schmodown is being digital from his house. He, he's very aware that it's, that it's been live and, and it's been in studio, but he hasn't experienced that yet. I want to give that to him. And I want to give that to the audience to go watch Kevin Smith perform live and compete live. Like that's, that's the type of stuff that I want to do.
0: There's going to be people listening today who, um, who are, are discovering what you do maybe for the first time. And uh, as, as you can tell from, from the discussion we've had, the law is deep and rich yeah. and uh, the, the stories are vast Where's a good place for somebody to start if they wanted to, to, to throw themselves into the Schmodown universe?
2: Well, because it's your, because, because your audience, you, you we're going to, they're going to want to see the wrestling side of it, right? They're going to want to see. I would tell you to go and look at team action versus the Shire wolves and watch that match, but watch the ending. Um, there's, it's one of the biggest moments that we ever had. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's a spoiler for you guys. You guys are going to, if you watch the match, you're going to see this, but I can, I can kind of set it up for you. What Andrew guy is one of our biggest heels, maybe of all time. He's a, he's an incredible actor. He's a great, he's a, and and I take to all that philosophy that I told you and I, I have my story points and I have my things that I want people to hit and, and the really good performers they hit and then they riff. And that's what Andrew does at the end of the match. Um, Andrew cuts this promo and he's going after the crowd and, we had our version of the horsemen and, and and the four horsemen show up, but then they, and there's, and there's two guys that started the original horsemen and then there's two guys that pop in that had been stepped away from the game for a little bit and they were very popular figures and the crowd loses it. And instead of the four, then they start to hold up the five and they're like, well, what the hell is five? Like, what's that? And then the music goes down, the music from The Shining comes up and this red <laughs> light pops in. And Dan Merle, who is the greatest player of all time, he's like the Michael Jordan or the uh, you know or, or whoever your goat is in in WWE. Um, he he shows up and they lost it. He cuts his promo against Andrew. So I, I would say Shirewolves versus versus um action is a good one. The free for all, free for all, the third free for all, which is our Royal Rumble. Um, it was in a live setting, and you can see all of the performers. You can see all the entrances. And you get a vibe of it. I would I would highly recommend going there because you'll learn a lot of personalities. I've I've seen a lot of fans that have found the sport through the free for all, but but make sure it's either free for all one, two, or three. The last one's fun, but it's digital. Um and it's not the same. Um, but it's a really good one. But uh, you know, we are WrestleMania is called ShmoDown Spectacular. We had a great Star Wars match back in the day between Sam Whitwer and Ken Knapsack, which is which is a big uh which is a big one. Um so I would I would recommend I would recommend any of those and there's another one Blowfield's Blowfield's Cat versus Nerds Watch. Um, if you remember, you'll 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 recognize it right away because at the very end of that match is a very Bash of the Beach type of moment that happens, and that was it was it was modeled off of that
0: say no more say no more some great places to start and before we end today we need one more match from you christian so we've had uh hogan we've had savage steamboat uh from wrestlemania 3 we've had rock austin from 17 what's your last one gonna be sir
2: Um, it's not, it's not for, and and I know people are waiting for Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker or even Bret Hart versus, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, I was, I
0: get them all the time. I wouldn't worry about it.
2: (laughs) Um, and I'm sure you get this one all the time too, but I, I don't, I don't take it from a, from a technical standpoint at all because it wasn't that I'm talking about the gravity of the match. What it meant overall, and that was Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania six.
0: Nice uh, Sky Dome, Toronto. Yep. This was this was the match that, um, personally, this was the match that I remember as a fan that just yeah. had me hooked. I remember crying at the end of this match as a six year old <laughs> boy, just in tears because how oh, was what's happened there? Where where were you? Talk me through where you were watching this bad boy.
2: Home with my brother again, watching yeah. it. I was, I was in, I, I think I was a freshman in in high school at that point, and I was, and I remember getting there, um, watch, going to high, going to school, and having this argument with this guy Nick, and I, and I feel, I feel like he was right. I feel like he said the Warrior was going to win, and I said Hogan was going to win. I feel like that was going to happen, but it could, either way, we were both on the opposite sides, and I can't remember what it was, but. The reason why I think this match was so, it was so special for so many different reasons. And because you didn't know who was going to win, because you did have that conversation, like it was almost like it had that same feel, like anytime Tyson fought back then and like, okay, Mike Tyson was fighting in it. And it goes back to the conversation we had uh, 20 minutes ago about how it transferred over into the mainstream. And it wasn't just about the hardcore Finn, This was like, because this was Vince saying, okay, I got to get a new guy. Hogan was tired at this point. Hogan was starting to break down a little bit, you know, so it's like, I got to find a new guy and here's, this is the guy. Um, and at the time that night he was the guy. And because that, that particular, that particular match, it, it delivered and, and it had, and I always remembered that I don't know. And, and you tell me, cause I, I don't ever see people talking about this as much as I remember it, but the warrior was very, was very, Keyed into moments of things that needed to happen, right?
0: Yes, very much so.
2: The the it was Hepner, right? I think at the end, who gets the belt? And he and he both belts, and he goes to give it to the Warrior, and the Warrior only takes the Intercontinental belt. He does not take the main. He does not take the the title because Hogan's supposed to get it. And so at one point you see Warrior just like get that thing away from me. Hogan's got to give it to me, right? Yeah. Because then Hogan walks out, and then, because I remember when Gorilla, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura are still my two favorite, they're my favorite broadcast team of all time. And then I remember it very clear, Hogan, he goes, Hope with his belt now! And he's got and he's got the belt, and he's looking at it, and he walks into the ring, and he presents it to him, and especially knowing all the history that these guys had, and watching the, the, the Warrior docs and all that, and knowing how much, like, heat already the Warrior had behind the stage, and, and then it started to go down downhill for him after that, but but the fact that he accomplished that in five years—it's—it's. It's, I know that it caused a lot of crap for him, and he didn't handle himself the best. But like that is—that's not easy to do to to accomplish what he did in five years.
0: It really wasn't. It's—it was a that moment I'd forgotten about Warrior pushing the belt away. Yeah, and it was again like him being in the moment, and a lot of people will still say that Hogan hung around. And sort of became the focus on that end bit a little too long, but I thought it was fine. It's fine. It was, it was fine. fine. Yeah, it
2: was, it, he he earned that. Yeah, that it's like it's like even because no one had ever beaten him clean. You know, no one ever beaten him clean. He lost. He lost to. He lost to. Um, you know, Andre in the, in that silly in that silly uh, moment, which I still love. But he lost to him there. And then after after that, you know, there was no one had beaten him clean. And we're beat him one. And the one thing that I feel like he could have done, and I know that it, you still when you watch it, I've seen the match so many times, it's like one, two, three, and he still kicks out. Like he kicks out like right yeah, at yeah. the three. It's like, dude, just keep your shoulders down. Come on, just let it. Just just keep him down. But he, either way he went in there and it's like yeah okay i, I you, it was it was the character of hogan saying you got me you got me so i i liked i liked that moment too him the silliest thing i ever saw was it was recently and i still think one of my comments is highlighted on the on on i can't remember what what channel it was but they had bruce uh, bruce i had a uh, bruce cake talking about that moment and he's like he goes, yeah. And you listen to that. And they tried to get, ho- they tried to get the warrior over, and, and the crowd's just booing the warrior the whole time. I was like, no one's booing the warrior. No one's yeah, booing yeah, the yeah, warrior. No one's booing the warrior. It's like, I was like, you're not wrong that they tried to get him over as the next guy, and it didn't work. It didn't. But let's let's not let's not say that he got booed that night. He didn't get booed. It was they mad- gave
0: it everything they could to get him over, like yeah. over, um, including one of uh, the most iconic promos in the build up to it um the the one with warrior hogan. that's it that's it uh, yeah. it's like on the, on the plane tearing uh, to the cockpit like taking... a rocket ship Hulk, hogan
2: <laughs> 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 that was it. it was the best
0: turn that into a nursery rhyme turn that into a we story should. at bedtime
2: absolutely
0: it's like <laughs> the warrior <laughs> yeah it was incredible snorting growling it was it was a great yeah. time it was a great time and this is this has been great christian thank hey, you man. so much for uh the last uh, 90 minutes of your time where can people go plug away sir the floor is yours go
2: thank forward. you my man uh it was a pleasure talking to you as well uh, i think that for me if you're able to go to youtube.com slash the schmodown we are separating we have a lot of content on there right now that has a lot of uh like geek culture stuff and Star Wars stuff. We're separating that into two different channels. The Schmodown will be its own separate thing. You can find the entire library of the Schmodown there. We're also on podcasts. Um, If you're able to and you want to catch, we do like three pay-per-views a month and it's uh, patreon.com slash schmodown we, we try to do what the WWE does, you know, with the, with what they used to do with it. We want to give away uh, basically the entire library and everything too, for, for just 10 bucks a month, and we've gotten in this so much for people and it, it's, it's the best bang for the buck. So if you're able to and follow us on all platforms at the schmodown we have a Facebook group that is very active. Uh, so please, if you can, would love to uh, get your feedback and tell us, we're really looking for the wrestling fans to be honest. So I think the wrestling fans are, um, are, are, are going to enjoy this more than anybody else.
0: That's why we need the pop-up storybook of Hulk Hogan killing the giant.
2: <laughs> it's true. At the at the very end, I I, I told yeah, I just, it was I told a joke about that this morning too. Well, it was just a, it was just a fact. It just to tell to tell a three and a half year old was like yeah, but then uh, he was thrown out of the kingdom for making some racist comments. <laughs> 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 it's like so. It's like you know I, that that part of I left out for the three and a half. <laughs>